Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. I want to read a, a passage of scripture from the Bible, the book of Mark, chapter 15. And uh, just listen, listen to this. It says, Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace that is the praetorium and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. And again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him, falling on their knees. They paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. So those going past hurled insights at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The title of my message is when the lights go out on your victory. What we've just heard is one of the most horrific descriptions of what a human can do to another human. There's physical torture, intense pain. There's humiliation, shame, mockery, ridicule. But in the midst of this story, there is a detail that's found in the statement of Jesus and it's this, the feeling of separation from God. Of all the things that Jesus experienced on the cross, the worst was 
that experience, what he felt of being separated from God. Let's pray. Jesus, today we take a moment to remember the cross. We take a moment to remember the sacrifice. As mind-boggling as it is that one person could take the weight and the hurt and the sin of the world for every person, that's exactly why we're here. And so, Jesus, we honour you and remember you. About almost 13 and a half years ago, probably almost exactly 13 and a half years ago, my wife and I were expecting our first child. She's sitting right here on the front row. Some of you may know her, may have met her. And 13 and a half years ago, we were waiting for her arrival. And like most pregnancies, we up to that point, there were a few rocky times, there were a few complications, but we had a healthy baby on the way. And Beck had finished work. We were waiting around. And I don't know if for us we've got three kids, but in your first child, when you're waiting for your first child, you, you pretty much don't do anything else, right? And if you're, we'd hit the due mark, so all the furniture is set up, all the rooms are ready, the nappies are bought, the wipes are bought, and you essentially just wait around. It's not like that when you have more kids. All right, when you have more kids, you schedule something. Someone calls you up and says, do you want to go to the footy tomorrow? And you're like, I should be right, just, but just, you know, see how we go. But when you got your first, the world stops while you wait for that baby. And so we were waiting one day, two days, three days, four days. And while we were waiting, we, we got some, uh, I'm showing my age a little bit, we got some DVDs, all right? We didn't stream stuff, all right? That, we, that didn't exist back then. We got some DVDs. And one of the movies that we saw was a movie, some of you may have seen it before or you may not have heard of it, a movie called The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Now, it turns out that that was a very bad choice. Now, it's a fictional story, but essentially the story is this. It stars uh, Brad Pitt. And essentially the story is this, this uh, person is born old and kind of lives his life in reverse. So he gets younger and younger until eventually the final scene, and you'll see why this is a bad idea, the final scene is him as a baby essentially becoming like unborn, like getting younger and younger until he doesn't exist anymore. So if you're waiting for your first child, that is not the best movie choice. So I look over and I see Beck and she's there and she's just got tears just running down her face. What I didn't realize until recently that whilst the movie is uh, completely fictional and that process is completely fictional, there is actually a terrible and tragic disease that is associated with the movie. In fact, the movie is uh, created from 
an idea from a short story uh, that someone wrote many, many years ago and called Benjamin Button. And it's actually this disease, it's terrible and horrible, it is called Benjamin's Button Disease. The term is progeria. And it's actually a rare genetic disorder where uh, people actually age rapidly and children die of old age. This is tragic. There was a young boy by the name of Aaron Kusher. And he just passed his third birthday when his parents found out about this diagnosis. And this was a time of great sadness for them. And in a way, the lights started to dim and go out because they didn't know how long he would last. He eventually passed away about a couple of days before his 14th birthday. And his dad was a Jewish rabbi by the name of Harold Kusher. And he wrote a moving book, which became a bestseller, about his experiences of grief and loss. And this book was called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Now, the value of this book is the insight that it gives into the human experience, into our experience. Because at some stage or another, each and every one of us is going to go through a season of pain, a season where we, we feel that instead of light, we, we don't have light, we have darkness. And this is what he described. Now, his ultimate conclusion is not one that I agree with. His ultimate conclusion is that God is good but weak. God is good but powerless to help. It's not a conclusion that I Uh, come to and we'll talk about that a little bit later but one of the things that he looks at in the book is some familiar sayings that people use to deal with grief and loss and here are some of them you would understand or you would have heard either from your own mouth or from others people's different uh, experience of these the first is this your suffering is probably a punishment for some sin or mistake. Now, there are a couple of versions of that. One kind of concept that's wrapped up is karma, right? So you obviously did something bad and something happened, so now you are reaping the reward. The other one is this, don't worry, what goes around comes around. Again, a a version of that. Or this other one, there's a reason for everything. And the reality is there isn't a reason for everything. And his conclusion was that these statements are wholly and ultimately unsatisfactory to deal and to comfort. Now, we all have some version of this process in our lives when it comes to the way that we process the world. The first part of it is what I think about something. The second part is what I feel about something and the third part is what actually how I reinterpret both of those things based on an experience right so one of the ways to do who who remembers being like either being fresh out of um, like an apprenticeship or fresh out of university 
and you're optimistic and you come into an industry and you're like, okay, I'm going to change the world and this is how I think about it and I know all this stuff and then it's just like... Or you, or you come in and then you're a little bit older and then you see that apprentice come in or you see that fresh grad and you love their optimism but you know that in some way they're going to get a reality check. Hopefully you don't get some form of pleasure from seeing that happen. Now that is true, but at a deeper level, when we come to a point of grief and loss and darkness, often what we, the question that we are challenged about and the question that we reevaluate in our experience is who is God and where is God in all of this? So like what I thought about God, what I felt about God, maybe you had, a, you had an experience with God at some stage in your life, maybe in a prayer time or in worship, what you feel about it, what you think about it, and then reality. One of the things that I've had the privilege of uh, as being a pastor is to understand and to have experiences of what it's like to support people in different ways and in times of grief and loss. Now, one of the things that I know and that people tell me is that one of the most powerful things that you can do is just sit with somebody in their pain. You can just sit, you can just be present with somebody in their pain. The work and the, the person of ministry, and this is fascinating if you've never heard this before, but there are so many accurate prophecies that were foretold about Jesus thousands and hundreds of years before he arrived. You can look into that for yourself. You can look at the probability of those prophecies, prophecies being fulfilled in one person. One of the prophecies was this from Isaiah 7, 14. And it says, all right, then the Lord will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means this is the part God is with us. This is Jesus. Jesus is God with us. Why did Jesus come to earth fully divine, fully human, have a lived human experience because he is God with us? That is the nature and character of Jesus. Now I started with a story of Jesus experiencing separation, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Experiencing darkness, the lights go out. Literally, the lights go out at noon in the world because it's God. We have our seasons where the lights go out. We have our seasons of loss, of grief. But do you know what the difference is between the story of Jesus and our story, the difference is this, is that in that moment, and what we remember on this weekend, 
Jesus overcame sin and he defeated sin. And so the implication of this is that Jesus experienced separation from God in his darkest moment, so we never have to experience separation from God. So one thing that I know and that I can be sure of and you can be sure of is that Jesus has the power through the cross to be present in our pain. That's what makes him unique among the other religions, among the other claims of God. Jesus can be present in our pain. In 1926, a young man was born in Germany called uh, Jürgen Moltmann. And he was drafted, as we know, as the time of the war. He was drafted into military service when he was 16 years old. And he was in an artillery, kind of anti-bombing, anti-aircraft section. And in his town... Uh, 40,000 people were killed, including somebody who was a friend of his who was standing right next to him. He became a prisoner of war, was in some prison camps. During that time, he felt so much shame, so much guilt for the way that his nation had treated people, including the Jewish people. And through that time, he became a Christian. He actually said he didn't find Jesus, but Jesus found him. And as a result of that experience, he became a theologian. He became someone who studied and taught the Bible. And part of what he was trying to do was to reconcile the death and the pain that was in the world and the work and the person of Jesus. And he says this, For a God who is incapable of suffering is a being who cannot be involved. Suffering and injustice do not affect him, and because he is so completely insensitive, he cannot be affected or shocked by anything. He cannot weep, for he has no tears. For the one who cannot suffer cannot love either. It's in the suffering of Jesus that we see the power to overcome darkness, but also the power to love, the power to sit in pain and suffering the power to weep, the power to move. This is what it means for Jesus to be God with us. Under your seats, there's a little cup. It's a communion cup. And uh, you don't have to take this, but if you want to take this, uh, you can do that. Why don't you grab those? We're going to have a, a moment of reflection. And we're going to take this in a couple of minutes together.
what we understand in the work of the cross is that we have a God who suffered for us so that he can suffer with us, so that he can demonstrate his love and his grace. So I encourage you, we're, in a moment we're going to have uh, Twinkie come, and this is a moment of reflection. Maybe you have experienced pain or you are experiencing pain or you have a question about why God would do this or not do this. And I encourage you to just open up and say, Holy Spirit, God, God within, what do you want to say? How do you want to meet me in this moment and this time? Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.